Okay, today we are talking about trusts, and I know what you may be thinking. I don't need to hear about that. That's only for super wealthy people, like the 1%. Maybe you're thinking of a trust fund, a trust fund kid who goes to an Ivy League college and his parents gave him a Land Rover for his 16th birthday. But trusts are more common than you may think. They are not just for the quote-unquote ultra-wealthy. And what I'm going to do today is explain what the basics of a trust are, why someone would want to set up a, a trust in the first place, who's involved in the creation and maintenance of a trust, and then when a trust may be something that you would want to consider for yourself. So thanks for joining me on the Financial Pathway Podcast, episode 43. Let's get into it. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us on the Financial Pathway Podcast with Nate Skelly, where we discuss important financial questions and give you practical advice to guide you on your financial journey. If you enjoy the podcast, consider subscribing and leaving us a review. You can also follow the Financial Pathway page on Facebook for more helpful financial tips and videos. Okay, so before we jump into the meat of the episode today, I want to give a quick disclaimer here that this is not legal advice. This is for informational and educational purposes. I don't want you to use this episode as your sole basis for an important estate or trust decision because we're only going to scratch the surface. Before you make an important estate planning decision, it's always advisable to speak with an estate attorney who's qualified to give legal advice in this area. So we're going to lay the groundwork, give you some of the basics, help you to understand what trusts are and some of the roles involved. And then if you think that, may, hey, Nate, maybe this might be something I want to look into further, then that's great. We can talk more about it if you want to reach out to me. And like I said, it's always good to partner with an estate attorney. Uh, before any of those decisions are made. So let's start with just what is a trust? Uh, what's the definition here? A trust is, this is the IRS def definition here, so we're, we're going right to the book. Uh, a trust is a fiduciary relationship in which one party, known as the trustor or the trust maker, will give another party, known as the trustee, the right to hold property or assets for the benefit of a third party, otherwise called the beneficiary. Fiduciary relationship means they have to act in the best interest of the beneficiary. Uh, they have a legal obligation there. So imagine this. If you're creating a trust, imagine that you're creating a box. And inside that box, you're going to place certain assets. And when those assets are placed, they are now considered the property of that trust. They belong to the trust. It could be your house or other real estate. It could be investments, stocks, bonds, mutual funds. It could be a life insurance policy. It could be collectibles. It could be a lot of different things that could go in that box. Let me give you a, a simple example uh, that maybe helps understand sort of the reason and the relationship of a trust. All right. In my family, in the Skelly family, we've been doing this for I don't even know how long. Everybody's birthday, we get we get a Dairy Queen cake. And if you've had the Dairy Queen ice cream cake, you can kind of see why this has become a tradition. They are excellent. And uh, now that we live far from my parents, they're not they, they're not here for all of our birthdays. So sometimes what happens is maybe it's one of my kids' birthdays who's coming up, and and we're visiting my parents, or they're down here visiting us, and my mom will give me some money. And she wants me to buy a Dairy Queen cake for the upcoming birthday. So she gives me money, and my job is to hold on to the money and not use it for anything else other than buying a Dairy Queen birthday cake for whoever's birthday is next. And in a sense, it's kind of, in, in, a, in a very raw way, in a, in a, in a very high-level way, what a, a, a trust is supposed to do. You have somebody, a trust maker, who uh, places 
or, or puts assets aside and puts them in charge uh, and puts them in the charge of a trustee. Somebody's going to hold on to it and make sure that the money is used for the stated purposes that the trust maker put in place. And then that trustee is supposed to make sure that those assets are distributed to the beneficiary. So in this case, maybe my son or my daughter for their birthday and their Dairy Queen cake. So when you create a trust, what you're doing is you have the ability to name, first of all, who's going to have control of the assets. It could be yourself, actually. You you could be the trustee. It could be a lawyer. It could be a family member, etc. And then you also can stipulate who will receive the assets. So the things that are inside this trust, who are they going to go to? Usually, again, it could be yourself, family members, church, charitable organization. And then also you can set uh, any criteria for the assets and how they're to be received and when they're to be received. Could be at your death, could be a certain amount per year, could be when uh, your kids or grandkids reach a certain age. So you have a lot of control and flexibility over the roles and rules of the assets inside that trust. Now, what kinds of trusts are there? Well, there's there's a lot of different types. And for this episode, that's uh, it's not a, probably a great use of our time to try to go in the weeds and talk about all the different types of trusts that are out there. But they have a lot of different purposes. And this is also why it's really important to seek advice and to talk to an estate attorney to make sure that if you're looking at setting up a trust, you want to set up the type of trust that's going to be the right kind for your situation and make sure that it fits your desires the best. But there are two basic categories of trust. All trusts are either revocable or they are irrevocable. They would fall in one of those two categories. A revocable trust, as the name implies, is one that can be amended or could be revoked. And the big reason why people would set up a revocable trust is because they want to avoid probate. And we'll talk about probate here in, in a minute. That's the main advantage. Uh, also, with the revocable trust, you do still have a lot of management, control, flexibility over the assets inside the trust. The irrevocable trust, again, as the name implies, cannot be revoked. It cannot be changed. Once it's set up, it's it's in stone. So you want to make sure, setting up an irrevocable trust, that you've dotted all your I's and crossed all your T's, and you really want to go go forward with this. A big advantage that an irrevocable trust can have is that it can give protection from creditors. So in situations where either the trust maker is wanting to make sure that there are assets that might be shielded from a creditor or, in some cases, the beneficiaries. They want assets to go to family members or friends or whoever the case may be, but they have concerns about if they do give that money just straight up to that person then creditors might be able to come after that full amount. But if it's just sort of given to them on, on, a, on a certain basis or on a continual basis or at a certain time from the trust, that the creditors cannot come after what's inside the trust. And so there's, there's some added protection there. But revocable, irrevocable, those are the two broad categories. Now, who's involved in setting up a trust? So as we gave in my example, the Dairy Queen ice cream cake example, there's three roles. In, in setting up trust. First role is the trust maker. Sometimes they're called the truster, grantor, settler, all with an OR at the end. Uh, truster, grantor, settler, trust maker, same person. They're the person who creates the trust and brings it into existence. So we're not actually talking about like the estate attorney or the law firm that would be drafting the documents. This is actually the person who wants to create a trust in the first place. If it's a revocable trust, 
then the trust maker has the right to revoke, amend the term. So they can set it up, but then if they want to change it later on, they can still do that. And then they also, of course, are going to set the terms, the language of the trust and how it's supposed to operate. So that's the first one. The second role is going to be the trustee. That's the person who, once the trust is set up and assets are placed in the trust, they control those assets and they would handle any investment of the trust property. Now, a lot of times what you're going to see with a revocable trust, and by the way, revocable trusts are the more common type, is that the trustee is the same person as the trust maker. The person who set up the trust also serves as the trustee. Now, that doesn't mean they get to do whatever they want. So they don't just have a blank check to use the assets however they want. If it, if it happens to be a different person than the trust maker, that doesn't mean that they've just hit the lottery and they can now spend the money on themselves. They have a fiduciary responsibility. So they have to act in the best interest of the beneficiaries and, and act only in, in accordance with the terms of the trust. And if they break those rules, if they try to use trust property for personal benefit uh, that's outside the terms of the trust, they, they could get sued. They could face criminal penalties. So um, it's definitely a, a role that's that needs to be taken seriously. And of course, somebody that you that you, you think is, is capable and responsible to handle that role. And then the third role involved in setting up a trust is the beneficiary. So who's going to receive the trust assets? And a lot of times there's multiple beneficiaries, um, oftentimes family members or, or charitable organizations. What's interesting is that sometimes with a revocable trust, the it's the same person in all three roles. The trust maker, the person sets up the trust, then they are their own trustee, and then they are their own beneficiary because they wanted to set up uh, these assets in a way to still maintain benefit and use of the assets while they're alive. And then what they'll do is they'll set up secondary beneficiaries. So upon their death, when they pass away, who would then be the beneficiaries of those assets? Um, so it's it you, you see all combinations. Sometimes it's the same person. Sometimes it's three different people. And it just depends on what the trust is for and the use of it. Now, why would somebody set up a trust? So here's let's let's kind of get into the core of where you can understand whether this is something that may apply to you and maybe not. Why would somebody set up a trust? What is the benefit here? There's really five main ones. Number one is to save on taxes. So for somebody who has a, a sizable net worth, this can be really advantageous. The federal government has an estate tax. So when you die you potentially could owe taxes on your estate. However, there is a lifetime exemption of $11.7 million as of now. That, that could actually change here in, in the near future. But as of now, it's $11.7 million for a married couple. You double that, $23.4 million. Meaning, when you die, if all of your assets minus your liabilities is over that threshold, is above that exemption, then you'd be looking at paying estate taxes. And they're pretty hefty. Uh, they go up to 40% at the highest bracket. So if somebody's like got a sizable uh, estate and over that limit, they may want to consider setting up a trust so that when they do pass away, the assets that are in that trust are not going to be considered part of their estate and can avoid that estate tax. So that's a big one. Also, by the way, some states also have an estate tax. So there's an estate estate tax that's different from the federal estate tax. So depending on where you live, you may even want to look at that. And a lot of times state estate tax exemptions are even lower. And so um, it's just something to be aware of. Number two, second reason why somebody would set up a trust is to avoid probate. 
and maybe you've heard about probate before, maybe you have a, a general sense of what it is, well, what happens uh, to your stuff after you die, to, to your assets? Well, the answer is that they are going to be distributed to your beneficiaries. Some of them will just go directly. Like if you have a life insurance policy with beneficiaries, you have a retirement account with beneficiaries listed, then those will just automatically go to them. Those don't go through the probate process. But there are other assets. They are actually called probate assets because they do have to go through this process before they are distributed to your heirs. So you pass away some things. Yes, here you go. And that money can get out to your heirs pretty quickly. But there are other things where uh, the government's going to say, hold on a second, we need to do our due diligence here. And that's the probate process. This is often where the question of a will versus trust comes in. Like, which, which one do I need? Should I have a will? Should I have a trust? Should I have both? Do I need either? So very quickly here, a last will and testament is a legal document that would communicate your wishes pertaining to your assets and your dependents when you pass away. What's going to happen to your stuff? Who's going to take care of your dependents? That's, that's what a will and testament, last will and testament is supposed to do. If you have a will, what the probate court is going to do is they're going to go through the legal process to quote unquote prove your will. Make sure everything's on the up and up. Make sure everything is, it, it looks right. Make sure that there's a correct accounting done of, of all your assets and liabilities that are left. Settle the estate so whatever transactions need to be finished out. And then with whatever is left over, whatever remaining assets are there, then those will be distributed out to your heirs according to your will. The probate process is very tedious. It is time-consuming. It usually takes a few months, can, can take longer than that in some cases, and it can be costly. So, so most people don't like to deal with probate, and uh, it's, it's, it's definitely not a fun experience. Now, even if you don't have a will, probate still happens. Um, they're going to do all the other steps, but the settling and the, the distribution is going to be based on state law. So if you don't specify who you want to get your assets and who's going to take care of your dependents, then it's going to be based on state law. And so that's why I always recommend to people get a will in place. It's really not hard to do. Uh, it's, a, it's a fairly simple step and something to get taken care of. That way your wishes are honored when you pass away and you're not just leaving that up to the government to decide who gets your stuff and who takes care of dependents. So the difference here with the will and the state is that the will is going to be, um, is, is not is, is not going to be as all-encompassing. It's going to be a lot more narrow in its scope. A will is just going to outline the desires for your assets and your dependence on your death. Uh, it's not going to avoid probate. It's public record, so, so people would be able to have access to it. However, it is fairly simple to set up, and it is fairly cheap. So, so that is one of the big benefits of a will is that it's easy and, and, and fairly relatively cheap to set up. A trust, on the other hand, is going to be more robust. Uh, it's going to outline also your desires for what happens to your assets upon your death, but it's more customizable, the how, the when. It avoids probate, so, so you don't have to go through that long and lengthy process. Assets get distributed out much cleaner, much faster. It's not a public record, so you maintain privacy. Uh, and then you also have more control, so you can provide stipulations for what happens if you're incapacitated, uh, even before you die. Trusts, though, are more complicated. There's more involved in it, more paperwork, and more cost. And so that is uh, a lot of times the bigger downside and one of the big things that keeps people away from setting up a trust in the first place because they're like, I don't know if I want to get into this. seems like it's going to be some work and 
it's going to cost me. But that's a big benefit is avoiding probate. Now, number three, what's the third benefit? Control. You get to set the rules on how, when, even to some extent, what purposes the assets inside the trust can be used. So, for instance, maybe somebody wants to help their grandkids by paying for college, but they can set that as the parameters. This money is going to go for this usage. Maybe you have a family member that has a mental disability, so they're really not capable of making financial decisions that are in their their own best interest, and you want to make sure that you guard that and make sure that the trust is set up in such a way where it will help them and take care of their needs, but not put them in a position where they're not able to, to handle um, their own financial decisions. Maybe there's a family member that you want to be benefited, but they have uh, an addiction with gambling. Maybe they have uh, substance abuse. And so in these situations, that can be really beneficial to maintain control over how and when the trust assets are distributed. Number four is protection. We alluded to this earlier, keeping assets away from creditors. So whether it's for the trust maker and trying to shield some of their assets away from creditors for themselves personally, or from the people that they're wanting these assets to go to ultimately, and making sure they don't just hand them that money and then it could it could be taken away from them because uh, of a creditor coming after their assets. And then number five, enforce conditions. Setting a requirement for when or how beneficiaries can receive the assets. So for example, they have to reach a certain age or it has to be spread out over time. Enforcing these conditions and setting these requirements can be another really nice benefit of the trust and keeping more control and flexibility over when the assets are distributed. So I hope you found that helpful. I feel like when we get into this area of especially estate planning and trusts, it can seem a little too complicated, seem a little bit out of reach. And I want to make sure that you're aware of these options. Maybe you listen to the episode and you think, Nate, that's great. I don't think any of that's really going to apply to me right now. And that's fine. But maybe one or two things that I said resonated and you think that actually might be a benefit and something we want to look into. Reach out to your financial advisor, your financial planner, if you have one. If you'd like to reach out to me and and discuss that more in in detail, of course, I'd be happy to have that conversation with you. Info at nateskelly.com is the best email to reach me at, or you can send me a message on Facebook. But like I mentioned earlier, an estate attorney is always advisable to bring into that conversation because they're going to be able to explain to you the pros and cons, but then also help you identify what type of trust best fits what you're looking to do. And so we just want to make sure that we're exploring all available options when it comes to our financial picture and trusts in many cases can be a really, really helpful tool. So thank you so much for listening to this episode and I look forward to seeing you on the next one.